0: Anyway, we're going to continue in our series in Revelation this morning. I recommend two books before I start. Obviously, we recommended More Than Conquerors by William Hendrickson. That would be the the main book that we would recommend. But it's it's quite a, 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 a... a tricky book in a way and lots of people like to read different things on it. So here's two other books that I would like to, to recommend. The, the Message of Revelation by Michael Wilcock. Again, this is a fantastic series on the Bible. The Bible Speaks Today. And uh, I thoroughly recommend this book to you. It it will give you some great insights into the Book of Revelation as well. And then this one, again, is a bit more of a a classic one: the Tyndale New Testament Commentaries by Leon Morris. Again, this is this is a fantastic resource. So if you finish the uh, More Than Conquerors book and you think, "Oh, I'd like to read another book on that," I'm not quite. I don't quite agree with him on some places. Then uh, start to um, read either one of these two or both of these two. They're only well, that one's smaller. That one's a uh, slightly bigger. So if that if that helps you decide, that's smaller. That's slightly bigger. But uh, uh, yeah, you choose either way that you want. Now, who here remembers the film The Matrix? Yeah, who's seen the film The Matrix? Yeah, good, good. I remember when that came out. It was so cleverly advertised that you were there, left thinking, but well, what is the Matrix? It didn't give you enough information, but it just gave you enough to, to tease you. So you're trying to think, what, what, what is it? So you went into this film in the cinema with all your assumptions about life, what's good, what's evil, all your presuppositions of uh, you know what should happen and that sort of thing. And then you see through the life of um, Neo, the, the main character in it, that things aren't quite as they should be, there 's some anomalies in, in life don 't worry if you haven 't seen the film i won 't spoil it uh, for you uh, just so you, you know it is, it is actually a film that 's worth watching i 'd recommend it maybe not the second two after that but, um, but anyway that it, and, and yeah, you know then through through the life of Nia and through the events that happen, you suddenly realize there 's this clever twist on reality and that he is the chosen one to bring people into into freedom? It's a it's a it's a it's a good film from from that perspective, and uh, yeah, I'd, uh, if you want to watch it, it I'd uh, I'd recommend that. Today, as we look at Revelation chapter ten, verses one to 11, 14, we come to a part in Scripture where. What many theologians say is one of the most difficult parts of uh, Scripture to interpret. So please uh, give me a lot of grace as I, uh, as I, I, I speak about that. Uh, it is difficult, but because I'm a simple man, I've got three simple points for you this morning, which you can all get. There's things that we know. There's things that we don't know. And there's things that we're called to do. You got it? There's things, I'll reverse the order because it's the order I've got them in in my notes. There's things we don't know, there's things we know, and there's things that we're called to do. That's what we're going to look at today as we look at the passage. I'm going to invite Judith up who's going to read for us Revelation chapter 10 verses uh, 1 to 11, 14. If you want to use this microphone here. Yet, 11.14. The
1: angel and the little scroll. Then I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven, wrapped in a cloud with a rainbow over his head. And his face was like the sun, and his legs like pillars of fire. He had a little scroll open in his hand, and he set his right foot on the sea, And his left foot on the land and called out with a loud voice like a lion roaring when he called out the seven thunders sounded and when the seven thunders had sounded i was about to write but i heard a voice from heaven saying seal up what the seven thunders have said and do not write it down and the angel whom i saw standing on the sea and on the land raised his right hand to heaven, and swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and what is in it, the earth and what is in it, and the sea and what is in it, that there would be no more delay, but that in the days of the trumpet call to be sounded by the seventh angel, the mystery of God would be fulfilled, just as he announced to his servants the prophets. Then the voice that I had heard from heaven spoke to me again, saying, Go, take the scroll that is open in the hand of the angel who is standing on the sea and on the land. So I went to the angel and told him to give me the little scroll. And he said to me, Take and eat it. It will make your stomach bitter, but in your mouth it will be sweet as honey. And I took the little scroll from the hand of the angel and ate it. It was sweet as honey in my mouth, but when I had eaten it, my stomach was made bitter. And I was told, you must again prophesy about many peoples and nations and languages and kings. Then I was given a measuring rod like a staff and I was told, rise and measure the temple of God and the altar And those who worship there, but do not measure the court outside the temple. Leave that out, for it is given over to the nations, and they will trample the holy city for 42 months. And I will grant authority to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy for 1,260 days, clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands that stand before the Lord of the earth. And if anyone would harm them, fire pours from their mouth and consumes their foes. If anyone would harm them, this is how he is doomed to be killed. And they have the power to shut the sky that no rain may fall during the days of their prophesying. And they have power over the waters to turn them into blood and to strike the earth with every kind of plague as often as they desire. And when they have finished their testimony, The beast that rises from the bottomless pit will make war on them and conquer them and kill them. And their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city that symbolically is called Sodom and Egypt where their Lord was crucified. For three and a half days, some from the peoples and tribes and languages and nations will gaze at their dead bodies and refuse to let them be placed in a tomb. And their enemies watched them. And that hour, there was a great earthquake, and a tenth of the city fell. Seven thousand people were killed in the earthquake, and the rest were terrified and gave glory to the God of heaven. The second woe has passed. Behold, the third woe is soon to come.
0: Thank you, Judith. That's, that's, that's great. So today I want to look at how God through his word has made it clear what he wants us to do and through his spirit's power he has equipped us to do all that he has called us to do so let's not waste time on speculating on things that are not clear to us from scripture so firstly things that we don't know. There's this mighty angel. He comes down from heaven. He's so full of the glory of the heaven. That's what it's talking about when it's saying he's you know, got a rainbow and the sun and uh, pillars of fire and all that sort of thing that people say, God, he's so full of the glory of heaven. And he actually, maybe this is this is Christ. It could be even Jesus. He seems to resemble him there. He stands on the, the land and on the sea showing that he has authority over these areas and subtly as well as we'll look at next week it shows that he has mastery over the beasts that rise out of those places as as well he has a little scroll in his hand and some people say ah yes this little scroll this must be the scroll that Jesus has just unsealed for everyone and others say oh no 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 that's not not the scroll that Jesus unsealed what about the two witnesses or some people say yeah, it must be Moses and Elijah, that's it because the miracles there that that they say are Moses and Elijah, did Moses and Elijah appear to to Jesus as well yes it must be Moses and Elijah other people say oh no no it can't be Moses because Deuteronomy 34 makes it clear that Moses is dead, it must be Enoch and Elijah because Enoch and Elijah well they didn't die did they, they were taken up to heaven by God so maybe it's Enoch and Elijah and yet other people say, well, no, no, we're not supposed to take the witnesses as literal witnesses. They're symbolic of the role of the church, the prophetic role of the church that it has as it stands out in the world and proclaims to the world because you know it talks there about them being also lampstands and olive trees. We don't take the the beasts as as a literal beast that we're expecting to see with seven heads and uh, you know ten ten horns and ten crowns. So these are symbolic as as well. That's how we're supposed to 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 take them. Other people say and also it says oh you can't make war because it says the beast made war against the two witnesses well you can't make war against two people you kill two people you make war against many people and as it goes on in revelation in revelation 12 verse 17 and Revelation 3 verse 7 where we see a parallel version of this it talks about making war against the saints so well, maybe that's how we should interpret it that's what me personally i think we should take it uh, more figuratively but i mean i'm not going to lose sleep over if you want to take it literally because even if you want to take it literally as two witnesses what it means to us today we have to go through those steps of interpretation that I said at the beginning of uh, the, the series on revelation, where we look for the principles that are in the passage and then draw those principles out and apply it to us. So whether you take it symbolically or literally, you, you look for the principles and draw them out and then apply them to our lives today. so rather than spending ages sort of talking trying to debate which way is, is the correct way to view it, I think the message of the seven thunders speaks a lot to us today, and, and it has done through the ages. You see, John at the beginning is told to record everything you see, write it down, everything you see. So he, he's been faithfully doing that. He hears seven thunders, they speak. He's like, oh, okay, yep, I'll write that down. And then he's told, do not write down what the seven thunders speak. And so he, he already started writing it and rather than cross it out, he leaves it in there. Now we know that everything is in the Bible for a reason. It's in there for our benefit, for our learning. So the fact that nothing is recorded about the seven thunders other than there was something said that, that John knew that we're not allowed to know. It speaks volumes to us, even though we don't know what the message is. It would be pointless, me trying to speculate, oh, the seven thunders, they mean this, or, or oh, it means that. It would be pointless. We don't know. We're not going to know. But what it does tell us is that there are things that God knows that he doesn't want us to know yet. You know, there's things that you want to know and that you don't know. The Bible contains all that we need to know. There's things that you want to know that aren't clear or aren't in this book. and but uh, But you don't need to know them then. But there's things that you need to know and you may not want to know. But they're in this book. This contains everything that we need for life and godliness. So, Let's not waste time on speculating about things that we don't know or that aren't clear in Scripture. But there's something enticing about it, isn't it? When you know a little bit about something, it's something that just draws us in. It's like it's like honey, it's like something sweet, isn't it? Go, oh, that sounds good. Do you know, the early church had the same problem, and Paul had to write to them about it. He had to say to Timothy, Charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies which promote speculation rather than good stewardship. Do you know, sometimes end-time theology can fall into this speculation that we, we can spend ages, oh, I think it means this, oh, no, I think it means this, and we can spend lots of time focusing on oh, it could be this or it could be that rather than letting it affect our lives and live in the good of it, you know, I had an English teacher when I was at school called Mr. J. Sims. He was a fantastic teacher. He was the the. He was the, he had that perfect balance of fear and yet fun. As well, you didn't mess with Mr. Sims, otherwise you were in real trouble. And yet, you could have plenty of fun in his class as long as you stayed within his designated parameters. He was—he was a great teacher, and he was probably one of the best teachers I, I, I had. And yet, he had one weakness. He had one chink in his armor, one Achilles' heel, and that was ghosts. And aliens and the unexplained and conspiracy theories, we could waste whole lessons talking about alien sightings and stuff like that. And if you got him started on it, he, he he couldn't help himself. He knew he was supposed to be teaching something about grammar, but he'd just be drawn in to this story. So you can imagine what we as boys used to do we used to see how much of our English lesson we could talk about these mysteries uh, that that, that are out there rather than learning. Now the problem is, as as you look back, you realize actually time is only limited. And we wasted lots of time trying to talk about this stuff rather than it be about fruitful educational things that would have actually be- benefited us and our grades as well, which uh, I probably should have uh, done uh, a bit better. But, uh, but I was one of those ones desperate to try and get him to talk about something that, uh, that he shouldn't really have talked about. My friends, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 16 tells us, Make the best use of time that God has given you. Make the best use of time. We're called to be making the best use of the time he's given us. It's only limited. We only have this life. We only have one life, this side of eternity, to make that difference. And sadly, so many Christians, we can waste time speculating and talking about things. Oh yes, it's about God's stuff, so it must be important. And yet, we can, we can spend ages t- t- debating stuff that isn't clear in Scripture rather than focusing on the things that God has made clear and the things that He has called us to do. This verse that came in the Old Testament, it's, you know, it's not a new problem, this. Moses said this verse, remember it, Deuteronomy 29, verse 29. It should be there, uh, come off on the, on the screen. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever why that we may do all the words of this law you see what's recorded in this book is not just supposed to be up here although it needs to get up here it's supposed to be lived out in our life there's a God in heaven who is worthy of your worship in spirit and in truth He's worthy of worship with your whole life. There's a world out there that is dying, that is hurting and that needs to know the love of its Saviour, needs to know the good news of Jesus and we are the ones that have been tasked to give it. So let's focus on what he has made clear and what he has called us to do rather than spending ages speculating or debating with people about things that that are not clear. Let the the theologians do that. That's what God's called them to do. Just uh, let's get on with what he has called us to do. So this mighty angel, my second point, there's things we know. This mighty angel comes along, radiating the glory of heaven. And he has in his hand a scroll, which may be the unsealed scroll. It may be another scroll. Who cares? The message is clear in the passage. It goes on to tell us the purpose of that scroll. So John can eat it and that he can prophesy over the nations, there's gonna be no more delay. The angel makes clear. You know, have to remember here, this passage comes in a bit of an interlude, doesn't it, between the sixth trumpet and the seventh trumpet, which Duncan covered last week. It's just the same as between the sixth seal and the seventh seal that I covered the week before that. That there, uh, there was an interlude as well, where there was the sealing, the counting of. God's people and we saw a little glimpse of the end time of what those people looked like they looked like people from every tribe every tongue every nation was there so that that, so in this interlude John is told to take the scroll and to eat the scroll it will taste sweet in his mouth uh, in his mouth and be bitter in his stomach just like Uh, Ezekiel. It's the same that happened to Ezekiel uh, years gone by. It represents something of the sweetness of the gospel message to the receiver, how it's good and and it's sweet. And yet as we try to live out the Christian life, we have to take up our cross and follow Jesus. It's hard work. The world didn't used to hate us, but the moment you become a Christian and live for God, the world hates you. And therefore, that's the, the, the bitterness of uh, of the result of uh, receiving the gospel. John has to measure the temple. Now, some again, we see this. Oh, this must be a sign that there's going to be another physical temple in there, which, you know, if you want to take that view, that's, again, that's, that, that, that's fine. If you want to take it literal, but just be consistent in what you apply. So apply everything uh, more literally as, uh, uh, as well. If you want to, if you take it more uh, symbolically, like myself, you would see it as the, the, the church. You see, the problem we're taking it literally is anywhere else in the New Testament, after the early days of Pentecost, where, you, where they used to gather in the temple courts, when it talks to the temple, about the temple, it's talking about the church. To the church even when the glorious temple that Herod had made was still standing, it's referring to the church. You see, God isn't interested in stones bricks and mortar he's interested in living stones which is you and I made up from every tribe tongue and nation both Jew and Gentile that are being built together into a temple for God. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 19 and 22 makes clear and there's a number of other scriptures there where you can see it refers well, the Temple is referring to to us as as believers, anyway, whether you want to take it literally or not, the point of the passage there is John is measuring the temple. why is he measuring it he 's measuring it for the protection. Of that temple area. That's what the passage makes clear. It's looking for it speaks of protection. The nations are allowed to trample outside the temple area, they're not allowed to trample inside the area, which would imply that whatever persecution comes on the church actually is only in a limited form, in a limited area, and a limited period you get this 42 months or 126 days which occur a lot in revelations or it also talks about a times time and a half basically all of it is the same period it's talking about a three and a half year period that's what it's that's what it's talking about and it's from the book of Daniel which is where we first see this phrase now Daniel's prophecy Was literally fulfilled in A.D. 67 B.C. Sorry, 67 to uh, B.C. uh, to 164 B.C. when Atosius Epiphanes, he came along and he set up pagan worship in the temple, worship to Zeus, set up prostitution in the temple area. He literally desecrated uh, the, the, the temple until the Maccabees rose up, fought, led a rebellion and fought against him. So that was the literal fulfillment. Since then, I would say it's probably better to see it as a, as a symbol of a short period of time. And their the, the, the suffering... In, in that short period of time, and you're suffering not just because of the wickedness of man against the church, but because the devil and the demonic forces behind it are instigating, are spurring people on to cause chaos against the church. Which is when you see this beast arise, or as he's called elsewhere, the Antichrist comes, and he makes war against the church. He's the ultimate expression of of evil. But as 1 John 2 verse 18 makes clear, although there will be a literal, uh, a literal ultimate fulfillment of the man of lawlessness, there are many types of antichrists along the way that represent hatred and evil and, and um, uh, attack on the church of Jesus Christ. And we can see that throughout the ages. And as this passage makes clear that sometimes actually they will get the upper hand on the church for a limited period for a limited time but we need to remember that Jesus says I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it you see many times in the gospels as Jesus is going about his work they, they try to lay hands on him but they couldn't because his time had not Yet come. The witnesses, as they're preaching, as they're going about doing their job, if anyone tried to lay hands on them, they're protected until the task that has been given to them is complete. And then at the end of that, the beast gets an upper hand on them and, and kills them, which would again imply that when the church has fulfilled its mission in the in terms of the Great Commission of telling every tribe, tongue, and nation something about the goodness of God, giving them the gospel message, and they've got believers from each tongue, tribe, and nation, then we can expect a literal fulfilling, if you like, of the Antichrist arising and uh, coming against the church, which we'll look at more next week with, uh, with you guys. So we have that, that, that joy to, to come. But my friends, any victory of the enemy is short-lived because... God always wins his battles. We are more than conquerors in life through Christ Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. The identification of the city there is given to us uh, uh, as well as, um, as a place that symbolized depravity, you know, uh, Sodom, uh, as a, a place that symbolized the enslavement of Israel um, in in Egypt and it says a place where the Lord was killed so some people say okay this must mean it's Jerusalem then which it may it may may be you can take it that way if you like The problem with that is any else anywhere else in Revelation where it refers to the great city it refers to Rome It's, it's clearly referring to Rome so again you could take it as Rome if you wanted to you know these things I'm not going to spend ages arguing with people I'll let you Debate them in, the, in in the books, read them if you wanna, if you want to go into that, uh, that more, but uh, certainly a way that we should imply it to us here is any power uh, any worldly power that, that promotes depravity, ungodly living, that tries to restrict and even enslave god 's people and may even try to attack them and come against god 's people that 's certainly what it means for us here. Uh, today. Finally, heaven responds in judgment and a tenth of the city is destroyed and 7,000 people. Again, we see those numbers 7 and 10 a lot in the book of Revelation, as well as the number 12. And it rep- it represents great destruction, a tenth of the city, great destruction and perfect retribution, uh, 7,000 people being uh, uh, killed by God. And then there's some recognition of God's glory so my friends what is clear is whether you want to take it literally or not or, or symbolically the same principles we can draw out for us is that we have a message to share with the world around us the message is good and sweet and yet as we live out this message, we will face opposition, we will face, uh, we will face difficulty. And that opposition will not, not just be man working against you, but there will be spiritual forces at work behind that, trying to close you down. However, you are protected by Christ Jesus in all that you're doing. Anything that comes your way is only because God has a plan and a purpose in it if you're living for him so my friends we can trust him as we go about it let me just tell you one uh, story about a man uh, who did that i'll call him moab that's not his real name uh but he, he is a man that works with churches in the 1040 window. I'm not going to tell you where. But um, he, he, he oversees several churches there. And he, it's in a really remote part of the world, very difficult to get there. So he managed to get a lift because he no longer can, can live amongst them freely, uh, he managed to get a lift on the back of a, a cargo plane going to, to that, that place. It was full of uh, carts, which is this uh, uh, stuff that they chew over in, in that part of the world. It's illegal in this country, it's legal in many uh, countries, it kind of gives you a bit of a high, it's a little bit of a, a, a drug, if you like, and so they spend ages chewing it. So he, get, he gets a lift on the back of this plane, full of this stuff, Lands there, so in the middle of nowhere, gets picked up by these people that are taking all this cart into, into ta- the town that he wants to go to. And so he gets from off, the, uh, off the truck, goes to a hotel, pays his $10 deposit and goes to bed because he's tired after his long travels. So he's there asleep. In the middle of the night, there's this knocking on his door. Oh, What's going on here? Keeps knocking. I had a knock on my door last night. Three o'clock in the morning, someone rang the doorbell and knocked on it really loudly. Thankfully, I was awake anyway because Sam was awake. But uh, yeah, it was, it was postman's knock, knock and run. I thought, oh. But anyway, anyway. So he's knock on this door. He goes, he goes to the door. It's the manager of the hotel with the $10 in his hand. He said, oh, no, no, no. If I owe you more, I'll pay you more in the morning. I'm tired. Leave me. The manager says, no, they know you are here. They're coming to kill you I do not want blood in my hotel. So he thinks, okay, I'll quickly pack his stuff. And uh, he takes his money and uh, and goes. And it's pitch black there. There's no street lights. He doesn't know where to go. And he's thinking, God, what, what do I do? And then he just feels the Holy Spirit remind him, ah, this is where the believer lives. So he sort of picks his way through the, the dark streets, finds this house that he thinks is his friend's house. He goes to knock on the door twice to wake him up. But he only gets one knock and the door is open and his friend pulls him in. And this is, you know, late at night now. And he says to his friend, Why were you awake? Why were you expecting someone? His friend said to him, well, an angel woke me up and told me that people are after you and you're going to come and knock on my door. So I needed to be ready and let you in quickly. Uh, Don't worry, the angel said, you're going to be safe. He read a Bible verse over him and uh, and then uh, my friend was able to go to sleep for a little bit. And then um, they woke him up put him on a bus early the next morning and sent him off to another town to the next town where he's going to see the churches there on the bus he's listening to the radio and in this part of the world every now and then this this sort of a terrorist group, um, have a little slot on the radio where they can tell the people what they're up to and who they're looking for and all that sort of thing. He hears his name mentioned. He says, ah, Moab was spotted coming in on this plane and went to this town. He went to this hotel. have we've lost him uh, at that hotel? If anyone knows his whereabouts, please, please let us know. And so he thinks, oh, God, they they were watching me. He goes to this next town and he's picked up by the church uh, sort of coordinator in that area who happens to be head of security for that particular region. And this man takes him off takes him to the security headquarters in, in this place, which is where the underground church meet as well. So it's very bizarre going in there because they check as you walk in there. They sort of frish you, make sure you haven't got any Bibles, make sure you haven't got any cameras, any note-taking ability, so that if anyone was to into the meeting, there's no evidence of what, of what you're, you're doing. So he goes there. It's so all done via the internet. And their, their, their sort of morning greeting isn't, hi, welcome here, the loser over here, that sort of thing. It's, if anything was to happen, this is how you delete these files. This is how you, you know, remove that. That's their, their standard way of starting. So he's in the meeting sharing about the love of God. And uh, outside, just up the road, a bomb goes off. And then there's all this shooting. And so he's sort of ducking down like this. And the congregation is sitting there like you're sitting there as well. And uh, looking at him. And they said, are you hurt? He said, no. They said, well, carry on then. This is normal. And so, so he carried on sharing God's word. God kept him safe throughout that whole journey and brought him back this was a couple of years ago that, that this happened I tell you it, God will keep you safe in all that he has called you to do he has a plan and a purpose for your life just like he does for my friend Moab as a, a, as well and this leads me on to my final point there are things that God has called us to do He has things planned for you and me. This passage, in this passage, there's a transition from John just receiving visions and recording things to being involved. He has to go and take the scroll. He has to eat the scroll. He has to prophesy over the nations. He has to measure the temple. John is included in in the vision. Now, the two witnesses have to go out and they have to proclaim God's message to the nations. God has good works for you and me to do. But you know, so often we get distracted with things. Let me just give you a little illustration of what happens. I need a few volunteers that actually are primed, so they're not really volunteers, Becky, uh, Aaron and Joel, if you'd like to come up here, please you take your lightsaber. These lightsabers, they're lightsabers, because they represent works of light. You can choose your, your colour, choose your colour. Okay, we've, we've got the red ones. They're not. These are all goodies, these guys. Okay, so we'll, we'll go over here. Let's go over here. Can I borrow a microphone? Because I need a microphone for this in a minute. Okay, so they, they, these are goodies. And these are, these are works of light, good works, sharing the good news, that sort of thing. Okay, that's what these represent. I need a few more people that I've primed. Okay, Tom, Joe, uh, Joe even, sorry, and Mark you can come up here, that's great. You, well, you just sort of stand over there. That's great. C- can you just um, can you just sign there, please, Tom? Thank you, Mark. Can you just sign there? Maybe, Joe. That's great. Thank you. If you can just stand just over here, please. Right, what they've signed to is we, the undersigned, agree that whatever happens in the next five minutes, even if it is death, we will not sue Christchurch or Cy Fry. <laughs> Got that in there, Phil? And oh, look, the small print, Phil, you like this. In fact, all our worldly possessions can be given over to Christchurch if we die. <laughs> great, great, thanks, guys. That's very kind of you. Great, so these, these guys... You can see why I picked them in a minute. They represent demonic forces, okay These are the forces of evil that are against us, and they 're going to be they 're going to be taunting these guys they 're going to be roaring at them and and, uh, and all that sort of thing but because i can 't get these guys to sign because they 're minors you 're not actually allowed to attack them because even if they signed it, we could get sued so okay you 're not allowed to attack them you 're not allowed to do anything and when, the, when you eventually die. Die loudly,
1: okay.
0: and die, you know, die dramatically. Okay, good, good. Right, so we are we over here are the children of God, and we have got a job to do, and we're called to do. And this this depicts often what can happen in church life. Okay, okay, guys, Look, you can see the see the baddies over there. Oh, can can see the baddies over there. You can see that we've got these swords to do. Uh, what what do you think we should do? Um... Attack them from behind. Attack from behind. Oh yeah, I, I, I think that too. I think mean, maybe surprises is, is good as well. I think surprise. What? Well, what? Well, I just think you know. I mean, look at them. They look mean. I think probably we should spend some time praying and. Have uh, seen Facebook recently? Uh, sh- 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 we we're about some, busy about here something. We, well, I've got just we should pray. Maybe pray in tongues for a bit and that sort of thing. da da da. da da And and I tell you what, let's do a Bible study as well before before we do it. Come on, why don't we just go and attack them? Just, sh- we've got to be we've got to be prepared. We've got to be prepared. Let's uh, let's spend some time thinking about. It. What's, what? what I, just, I just don't know I mean I think that one looks big maybe we should go for that one first and maybe that one first What about YouTube? Have you seen YouTube? There's a new video What, what are you talking about? about? I don't know. A oh look at that one he's just, oh, he's just over keen isn't he he's over keen oh, I mean you shouldn't attack someone like that the Bible says you attack someone oh oh he's done it he's done the job thank you guys thank you You know that so often represents the church doesn't it we've got a job that we're called to do it i wasn't knocking prayer or reading the bible then please don't hear what i was not saying but so often we can waste time just debating things talking about even spiritual things because it's that's holy surely then actually engaging in the battle so often we can be distracted by facebook by Social media, by Instagram, by the news. It could even be things like uh, playing games, gaming, or, or, or sports, or or visiting friends and having having coffee with them. All these things are fine, by the way, in moderation. But so often they've become a priority in our life that we don't get on with the work that God has for us. You know, How many people say, oh, I just don't have time to do evangelism. Oh, I just don't have time to read my Bible. I just don't have time to pray. And yet we make time for that favourite TV programme every week. We make time to check the news all the time. We make time to be on social media uh, a lot of the time uh, as well. We can make time for that. But we don't make time for the things of God. Parents here. How many of you can make time? And again, none of these things in themselves are wrong, by the way. But we can make time to make sure our kids can read music and play a musical instrument. We can make time to make sure they can defend themselves and do judo or play some sort of sport or something like that. And yet, when it comes to, oh, do you pray with your children? Do you read the Bible with them regularly? Oh, I just just don't have time in my life for that sort of thing. My friends, where is your priority in life our children are entrusted to us we're called to bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord that is the most important task we have got as parents more than playing music more than them being good at a sport is that they know the truth of God's work we're all called to be witnessing at school or witnessing in our workplace if we're past school age, like, you know, I'm a few years past it uh, now. We're all called to uh, be reaching out to our neighbours. They're not just optional extras for a few keenies. God has called all of us to be his witnesses. You know, Love Helsham isn't just something I've put on for the keenies. It's supposed to be for all of us to get involved in going out and sharing something of the good news of Jesus Christ to uh, the world out there. If you're, if you're worried, if you haven't done it before, I can put you with somebody who's done it before, who's, who, who's very uh, uh, good at it. If, you're, if you think, no, I just couldn't speak to somebody... Do you know, you could come and you can pray here. We have people that stay and pray here for the team that go out. You could even go out and do a prayer walk around the air if you wanted to. We have a team that go out litter picking whilst we're sharing out the love of God as well. So we're demonstrating something of the love of God. My friends, we can all be involved. We have an alpha course starting after the summer holidays. The reason I'm telling you about it now is so that you can be preparing. You can be thinking, God, who do you want me to invite who do you want me to be speaking to about this be praying about it be intentional yes as you live for Jesus you will face opposition and you may even suffer at hands of people either verbally either financially emotionally maybe even physically but God is in control and he will reward you for your faithful actions even if you were to Be killed for your faith, which is very unlikely in this country at the moment for that. You are more than a conqueror in life through Christ Jesus. Because the day that you die as a Christian is the day that you go to be with Jesus. Not because of you, but because of what Jesus did on the cross for you and for me. Where he took the punishment for everything that we have done, everything that we have said, Everything that we have thought that is wrong. He took that on himself. And as we surrender our lives to him and ask him for forgiveness, we receive that forgiveness. And if you've never done that, or if you know that you've done that and you've wandered away from that, 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 that faith in Jesus, and you're not in that place where you could say for certain that if you were to die tonight, that God would say to you, yes, come into my heaven then I want to lead you in a prayer to make that true for yourself. As you a prayer of surrender to God. So can I just ask everyone to bow their heads, please? And if you know that you need to get right with God, you know that you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, or you have, and you've wandered away from him, then just pray this in your heart. I'm not going to embarrass you. Just pray this in your heart uh, with me. Heavenly Father, Thank you that you love me enough to send Jesus to live that perfect life and then die on a cross to take the punishment for the things I have done. For the things I have said. And for the things that I have thought that are wrong and offend you. Please help me to live the rest of my life for you. Through the help of your Holy Spirit, you have given me. Amen. Amen. And if you've prayed that prayer here this morning along with me, the Bible says we're to believe in our hearts and then we're to confess with our mouth. Tell the person that you've come with or come and grab me afterwards. We have a, a little pack that we would love to, to, to give you. So come and, uh, come and grab me at the end or, or speak to the person who, who you came with. And and let them know what you've done. You see, God, through his word, has made it clear what he wants us to know. And he will equip us, through the Spirit's power, to do all that he has called us to do in Christ. So that we can be conquerors in life. So let's not waste time on speculation, on things that he has not made clear. God has called us to be conquerors in life through Christ by the power of His Holy Spirit, Amen, Amen. We'll call it to a, a, a close there. Uh, can I invite the uh, band back up, please? I know there's uh, been a couple of words that uh, of knowledge that that, that um, I don't know if, how Dunk wants to to share that, that that they feel people need to respond to. But there's there's um, three areas that I would like to include in that. That if you want prayer during this. Next song, please come forward uh, to the front uh, left over here to receive prayer. And firstly, that is that you are not doing what you're called to do because you've been distracted by other things. You know there's distractions in your life that are not necessarily wrong. They've just got a wrong, had a wrong priority in your life. That's it could be social media, it could be sports, it could be uh, gaming, it could be a career ladder that you've been chasing after. And actually, that's become the focus of what you're doing. And you just want to come forward for prayer as a sign of, God, I just want to realign my priorities and put you first in my life, in my family's life, in my kids' life. And the second area is for fresh boldness to witness for Jesus. If you just know that you keep struggling to to speak out and you want that fresh boldness from God, again, come forward for prayer for that. And then, as always, we love to pray for healing. If you've got any healing, physical or mental, that you want someone to come and stand alongside you and pray, then please come for that. You have been listening to a sermon from Christchurch Helsham. For more information or to contact us, visit Christchurchhelsham.org.